Along with Jeremy Poplin, I am Colby Daniels, Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz hotline on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Is there more pressure on Kyle Shanahan in this game, given the, the number of NFC championships they've been to? And, you know, even though he wasn't around for that, that 49ers Ravens Super Bowl, um, this is only number two for him. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've been right on the doorstep now for a number of years. Uh, yes. I don't think there's any pressure on Andy Reid. I mean, he's he's won two. This is his fourth Super Bowl in KC, what, fifth overall with the one that he went to in Philly. Um, he's a multiple Super Bowl winner. I, I don't, There's pressure on everybody. Look, it's the, it's, it's the biggest game on the planet, so there's going to be pressure for everyone. But I definitely think it's Kyle Shanahan. And though he wasn't the head coach, I, I do think that he still bears the brunt of some of that 28-3 loss as the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Some of the decisions that were made throughout the course of that game, uh, especially late in the game, throwing the football, the, you know, there's a, an incompletion that stopped the clock that kind of allowed New England to get back in that ball game. I think I think a lot of people point, and obviously Dan Quinn was head coach, but I think Kyle Shanahan's the one that you know, if you really get down and talk about it, it's the one that people are like, what in the heck were you doing? So the fact that there's that, there's a ten point lead the last time they played Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think that. You know, if we're basing it solely off of head coaches, I think much more pressure on Kyle Shanahan to step up and deliver. And let's not, I mean, let's not, you know, be shy about it. His dad won too, right? So like he's he's going to be right, wrong, or indifferent. He's going to be compared to his father. And obviously those two that they won in Denver with John Elway, um, his father, uh, Mike, gets the credit for. But yeah, I think there's definitely a, a pretty high level of, of expectation and pressure on Kyle Shanahan to deliver the Niners of the Super Bowl. And the reason I bring that up is because he, he's he's great at what he does. I don't think anyone would argue that. But I've noticed this, and I know Papa said it many times, there, there are moments in games or even stretches in games where it's almost like he feels like he's got to be the smartest guy in the room and and maybe he, he outsmarts himself and tries to get too complex versus – just doing what you do, right? And I wonder if you add that element of pressure to this equation, if if maybe you get some of those scenarios where it's it's him maybe trying to do too much instead of just letting that juggernaut that is is the 49ers offense and all those playmakers make plays. I think that's very uh, a good point. That's very possible. Uh, because sometimes I think just in general, coaches can outthink themselves. Like sometimes, you know, football, I've said this to you before, but I don't want to oversimplify the game of football, but I think we over, uh, I think we overthink it. We over talk it. And sometimes it's just back to the basics. It's, it's simplicity and know what you're good at, do what you're good at and don't try to get too cute. Don't try to overthink it because I feel like sometimes coaches are their own worst enemy. Yeah. For exactly what you just said. And will that happen to Kyle Shanahan on Sunday? I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to find out. But his he's got such a great mix of talent at the skill position, of physicality on the offensive line, and a quarterback that clearly he completely trusts and is playing with just a, an incredible amount of confidence. So can't that, that's – as much as anything, as much as I, I know it's Mahomes and it's Kelsey and it's, you know, Bosa and all the stars on that, that San Francisco defense. 
I think I'm more excited for Kansas City, Spags, Shanahan, that Kansas City defense, and and watching them against this San Francisco offense. I think that's just going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup. You add a little pressure to the equation, and then you get that thought process of, well, this is what I'm going to do, but he knows that's what I'm going to do. And then I know that he knows that's what I'm going to do. Right. And then you just, you, you, those wheels start turning and then you do something that everybody's like, what in the hell was that? Uh, I think it's an interesting element, but you know, ultimately I kind of get the sense and we're only at Wednesday and things will, will, I, I think just ramp up the further we get throughout this week. But to this point, I get the sense that both teams are very loose heading into this one. They are. Yes, absolutely. What was the the situation at UNLV with the surface? That was a little bit odd yeah. earlier in the week that they were upset about the the surface and and didn't love what, what was going on there. I also thought it was interesting that Kansas City is using the Raiders facilities. I, I mean, I get that they're the home team in this game, so they get that. But like, doesn't that just seem weird? Like, that's a rivalry. You're gonna let your rivals utilize your facilities. So I thought I thought that was interesting, but. All the stuff for media day, uh, very loose on both sides. It seems like both these teams are pretty cordial with one another. I think there's a, a pretty good familiarity and understanding uh, between the two organizations. So, yeah, I, I've I've gotten the same feel uh, watching this. I think some of the media members are a little bit too loose. Some of the questions that I've seen <laughs> asked to these players are just absurd. Do you see what Brock Purdy was asked yesterday? I, I've seen a bunch of questions that he was asked. About asked him, what do you think about uh, you know the fact that people are saying you look like Lee Harvey Oswald? <laughs> yeah. What like? Okay, you're kicked out and you're never he, allowed back in a Super Bowl. He does a little bit. I, I did see the tweet but with why the, the would comparison. You ask him that. Like, regardless, <laughs> like you're gonna ask him, what do you think about it? Like, what do you? How do you comment to that? To be say that I look like a guy who assassinated John F. Kennedy. Like I, I was just, I've heard, I was there for media day in the 06 Super Bowl. I had to, I lived that. So I know it gets nutty. It gets crazy. Yeah. That's an all timer for me. Like, man, just, just, cr- they asked Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Someone asked him to do his best Kermit the frog impersonation. And he just said, I'm, 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 I'm doing I'm, it. Yeah. I'm talking to you. This, talking, is the best, yeah. Yeah, this is the best it's going to be. It's just like, golly. When I hear that kind of stuff, I'm like, okay, we, we need to start limiting some of this media attention. I get it. You want to blow it up. You want it to be global. They pretty much will cred- credential out anyone that's a media member in these things. But I hear some of that, and I just I feel for those players, man, because that, that gets old and annoying fast. I will say there was a point in time where that really bothered me, and I think I've gotten to the point now where because we have so much access – like if you're a hardcore football guy and want football stuff, you can find outlets that are only yeah. going to give you the football questions. Right. And so I guess like I've reached a point because of technology and because there's so many different people covering this and so many different platforms that are giving you the different types of information from media days, it doesn't bother me as bad, but uh, there are, there are absolutely questions where it's like, come on, man. Like, like the Mahomes dad questions over and over, like, what is he going to say? Right. Like yeah. it's a super bowl. Like you're going to keep asking about his dad and, and the DUI and like, what do you want him to say? Uh, I don't know. I, I did think it was interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll throw this at you because Patrick Mahomes was asked this. I did think this is a good topic and a good conversation 
Are they villains? Are the Chiefs? Are the Chiefs nationally? Are they become vilified, similar to the New England Patriots with the success and then the the obscure Taylor Swift hate that I just still yeah can't quite wrap my head around. Do you think the Chiefs are are villains outside of Chiefs Kingdom? I think that they are polarizing in a way where I don't I don't think there are many people that are like lukewarm on them. I think you either like them or you absolutely hate them. There are a lot of people that hate them though. I will say like, I think in this matchup, there are more people that feel strongly against them than maybe the people that feel strongly against the 49ers. But we had this conversation yesterday on the show. There's this weird thing in our country where we hate winners, right? Like we just absolutely hate winners. When somebody starts winning too much, we cannot wait to tear them down. And it, it's happened with Alabama, yes. right? It's happened with Duke. It's happened with the Golden State Warriors yep. or the New England Patriots. Like if yep. you start winning too much, Cowboys, we hate you yep. and we want to see you fail miserably. And then sometimes if you fail, we'll root for you again, right? And it's peaks and valleys and you can get back on the good side and we'll root for you again, but don't win too much or you become the villain again. Like, so... I do think that in a way, because they've won so much and they've been so successful, there are a lot of people that just absolutely despise them, which is wild to me that in America, when, you know, the, the way that this country is operated, that people would would somehow have this completely polar opposite type of, of feel for sports. Yeah, I, we, I will say as a country, we love uh, the underdog story, which Brock Purdy is is clearly a great underdog story so i can understand that but like patrick mahomes a good guy like he's fun he's young he plays the game with joy like he's not to me i don't think he's overly flashy like i'm a huge patrick mahomes fan i'm just gonna be honest like and i've always just i've liked him um i've liked him going back to when he was at texas tech i think he's got great work ethic like i love that show quarterback because it showed behind the scenes how much he puts in away from being there at the facility. Like, yeah, he's crazy talented, but he also works unbelievably hard and diligent at his craft, especially to stay healthy. And I just, I don't know. Like, I, to me, he seems like an easy guy to root for, but, and maybe it's just the winning part. And Andy Reid, how can you not like Andy Reid? Like, I even yeah. kind of liked Andy Reid when he was an Eagles coach. And that's like, I'm not even allowed to right. like Andy Reid. Like, he's as easy a guy to like as you'll find in the NFL. Like, I just, I just don't get it because it'd be one thing if they had characters or players that just completely rubbed you the wrong way. And, and obviously for some of those guys, and maybe it's Travis Kelsey, they do, but I look at their two main cogs and, and coach Reed and, and Patrick Mahomes. And I just, I think they're pretty easy guys to root for. Like they don't do anything to me that strikes me as God, I can't stand this guy. There's no way I'm rooting for him, but. What you said is right. What you said makes a ton of sense. UConn basketball, Duke basketball, Alabama football, Patriots, Warriors, these dynasties. The interesting, the one that I think was universally liked was the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Like everyone liked the Bulls. And I think that just goes to show uh, and just gives the, an even further reason that Michael Jordan's the greatest athlete on the planet because he's probably the only player I can think of that made a nation root for not just him, but his team in the midst of one of the best dynasties we've seen. I do think that 
I do think that Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes maybe contributed to people disliking Patrick because I think before this season, there wasn't really a whole lot to dislike. And I think, you know, this season, especially with that, that Buffalo bills game. And then what happened? I think it was the Packers game as well. I think a lot of people got a sense of entitlement with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes during that stretch of the season. And, and maybe that turned them off. But before that, really, I think it was Mahomes family that was the, I mean, if you were going to dislike Mahomes, those two were probably the primary reason. Yeah. I, Jackson Mahomes is an, is he's got a very punchable face. Very uh, no doubt. He's very unlikable guy and, and not by his social media interactions than his actions just in general, uh, the guy's a complete moron. He's been, he's gone pretty silent though. Right? Like, I mean, he's kind of been off the radar. I believe he I mean, had that he had that issue trouble, where he yeah. had like forced himself on yeah. a woman in a nightclub yeah. or something yeah. like that. I don't remember all the details now, but I think after that, that took place, they said, yeah, Patrick had to be like, yo, and be quiet. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You're about Stay to, out of the spotlight. Yeah. You're about to be cut out of the family. Like seriously. Uh, That's right. stop. So uh, I don't know, man, it's going to be going to be fun to watch, but you know, something crazy's happening if the 49ers are the sympathetic figure and everybody's rooting for them, (laughs) a team that has had a ton of success. And as I mentioned to you guys the other day, uh, seven NFC championship games in 13 years. Like, I mean, they're, they're right there at the very top of, of the great franchise in the history of the national football league. And And it's not even like they're the Buffalo bills, right? Like, they have five Super Bowl titles as well, just because they haven't, you know, got it done recently. They've been on the doorstep, but they have a rich tradition of winning the Super Bowl anyway. Let's hope it's not number six. I can't, I I won't be able to uh, stomach, stomach that one. So uh, we're going to see, man, we're getting closer and closer. Yeah. Hey, before we get out of here, I did want to get your, uh, your thoughts on, on Toby Keith's passing. And, uh, you know, as we talked about yesterday, such a great ambassador, not just for OU, but I think for the state, right? A guy that is larger than life and made his home here and stuck around Oklahoma and, and did everything he could for the state. And I know this uh, this hits close to you as as a personal friend and seeing your tweet yesterday with uh, with Toby playing music and, and you and your family being able to spend time with him. Uh, I know this uh, this definitely hits hard, but uh, what a what an incredible life he lived and, and a great Oklahoman without a doubt. Yeah, yesterday, uh, man, it's a sad day. Uh, it's, it was it's interesting because it's sad, um, yet it was really cool at the same time to hear all the stories and, and see the outpouring from, like I watched today, uh, Stephen Colbert, which I don't really watch him, but I, I don't know if you've seen what he did last night on his show and him and Toby were really close and they're about as polar opposite of people as you'd ever meet uh, with their political views and probably a lot of other views. But uh, Colbert did a great job just talking about uh, uh, Toby. Um, you know, I got on air yesterday. I, I, I cracked the mic at 5 a.m. for SiriusXM, and I, I put my headset on and, and jumped on about 4.50. And my producer said, um, he said, man, I'm, I'm really sorry uh, about the news. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he told me, he's like, Toby Keith passed away. And I was just like, I mean, I was just a sword. Um, you know, I, I've known Toby for 21, 22 years. I got to know him really well toward the end of my career at Oklahoma. He was there all the time. We talked uh, in games, after games. And then once I, my first year 
I was going through the draft process, they asked me to play in the um, in the Toby Keith, uh, you know, Foundation golf tournaments for Allie's house uh, for pediatric cancer. Uh, one of his old band members uh, had a daughter that passed away from cancer, and they started Allie's house. And and I started getting involved. Then I started going to these events, and really started getting to know him and Trish's wife and and his family. And uh, and Kevin would come back when I was in Chicago and never missed. Always came back. Always played. It was always around. And um, you know, then especially once we moved back, and I've been here more and um, he's got a lake house. We spent a lot of time at the lake. We've got a place real close to him. And so I've gotten a chance to, to spend a lot of time with him. And, um, I, he's, uh, he's a special man. You know, he's, um, uh, with things that he's done for pediatric cancer in the state of Oklahoma with Allie's house, with the OK Kids Corral, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I just, what you said is right. He is, He's a sooner diehard through and through, whether it's football, basketball, softball, diehard. And his, what's crazy is I've had so many conversations with him. His ability to recall like plays and players and moments all the way back to when he was a kid is, is absolutely incredible. And, but he's, I think he's just a phenomenal ambassador for the state. Um, And so not only did, uh, the state lost an icon and a legend yesterday, but I think his impact will be will will live on forever. And I think that if if you were paying attention yesterday, how could you not? You really felt that. Um, it's funny because growing up, I was we were, you know when the Cowboys were in their dynasty, that's when I should have been a Cowboy was kind of a hit '93, like right in that era. That was like my favorite song, and no doubt to, to get a chance. To meet that guy and then get a chance to be good friends with that guy to golf and fish and sit on the back porch and watch him with a guitar in his hand and, and strum the guitar and maybe have a little moonshine uh, and, and listen to him tell stories. And it's just, man, I, I'm lucky to have had the chance to get to know him. Uh, and I think about his wife. Uh, I know his daughters. I know his son, Stealing very well. I think about them and I just think about so many people who he had such a positive impact on uh, his love for, for the military and the troops and everything that he did for a lot of those people is just it's incredible, man. He's a, he's a special, special man. And he left a mark on me, so many Oklahomans and so many people all over the planet. And so um, he'll be missed, man. He will be missed, but Gosh, it's hard not to think back and, and smile and think about uh, just how just how great of a dude he was and, and how many great things he did and how many people he impacted. Because you want to talk about leaving your mark on this place. Uh, he sure did for a lot of people. I think he, he lived his life to the fullest. He overcame uh, a lot of obstacles. I mean, the guy was working in the oil field and – like to get a chance to listen to him tell his stories about where he came from and 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 you know the the great songwriter that he was that people don't even recognize that you think of him just as a musician he's a he's a hall of fame songwriter um just starting his own label and and just all the things that he's done man so accomplished uh, a true entrepreneur uh, a true american patriot and just as good as oklahoma's ever seen man and uh, i'm going to miss my friend as our so many people, and I think we should all continue to think about and pray for 
his wife Trish, his daughters, his son, and his grandkids because you know they're uh, they appreciate this outpouring and these stories, but they're hurting right now at the same time. Absolutely, very well said, and uh, yeah, I think that uh, just seeing the outpouring of comments and stories and people being able to recall meeting him and having interactions with him you just don't get that with a lot of celebrities right and that's that's the part of him that is Oklahoman and being around here and being as friendly and personable as as he could be that you just have a ton of people front locally that that have a Toby Keith story it's that's that pretty incredible I got and I know we're pressed for time um I said this on my show yesterday but um he had had cancer this last Memorial Day. Um, I saw him at the grocery store at the lake, and I hadn't seen him in, in a little while. And he he's obviously had lost a lot of weight, but he was on the other side of it. And uh, we bumped into each other at the grocery store and came over and uh, gave, gave him a big old hug. And uh, he's like, let's go fishing. Uh, I was like, all right, let's go fishing. So we went, I met up with him Memorial Day morning, and we went fishing. And it was me, him, uh, his his guide and best friend out there at the Lake John, Big John, and uh, another one of his family members, just us four crappie fishing on Memorial Day morning. And we're in a uh, we're in a, a stall that some guys had put some some trees down, so it's great for crappie fishing down below where these uh, these slips were. And and we're we've been fishing for I don't know 10, 15 minutes. No, that was biting. I'm like TK man, like what's up? I thought oh, where the fish at? He's like oh we're coming. And um, we got the we got the local Grove, Oklahoma country music station playing on the, on the boat and the boat sitting there in the stall. And uh, it, you think I'm lying. I, you, you can only make this stuff up. And sure enough, Memorial Day morning, uh, they start playing uh, one of his songs uh, brought to you courtesy of the red, white and blue. And, and Toby says, oh, looky there. Captain America's on the radio <laughs> within a minute. <laughs> Bam. Fish on Toby's line. He pulls the first crappie of the day out. And I, I got a good picture of it. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, you catch the first fish. And what brought the fish is your song on the radio and you singing to it. And he's like, Captain America gets it done again. He was laughing. He even thought that was pretty cool. So when you're thinking about the 4th of July, when you're thinking about Memorial Day, uh, it's going to be hard for me, and I think a lot of Oklahomans not to think about Toby Key. Absolutely. And so many great songs that just make you feel good, right? So, uh, right. you know, in that regard, he'll live on forever. Dusty, always appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for sharing the stories, and we will catch up on Friday. Sounds good, buddy. That is Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I am Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.